Welcome, friends. We're Dana and Victoria, and this is Reconnecting with Pleasure, a podcast that helps you find more joy, presence, and so much pleasure by reconnecting with yourself and your desires. We're two moms, coaches, and all-around badass bitches who are obsessed with changing rules and always seeking more. More joy, more fun, more orgasms, more pleasure, more eating. And we want you to have it all, too. Welcome, welcome, friends. Back with Dana and Victoria. Welcome back. Hi, hi. Hello, hello. We are here with another episode of Reconnecting with Pleasure podcast. And today we wanted to chat about an article that we both read recently that's in the New York Times. Um, that was published on the 18th of, of January. I almost said February. Slow down, Dana. Yeah. January. I mean, this was like kind of a no-brainer for us to talk about. It popped up in my feed. I didn't read it until after you read it and said, like, you should read it. Um, but we're talking about Emily Nagoski. I'm guessing. I'm not sure how to say her last Nagos- name. Nagoski. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Emily Nagoski who's the author of Come As You Are. Um, and really, I think, maybe you tell me if you think this is a stretch, but like, I think she's a person who paved the way for podcasts like this one and um, certainly didn't like, like, I don't know. She, she didn't like create the whole field, but I think that the way that she has talked about sex and women's pleasure has made it accessible in ways that didn't previously exist. Like, I think she's got a real talent. And I think Come As You Are is one of those books that so many, so many people talk about and recommend and use as an example when we think about pleasure and sex, especially for women. Do you agree? I do agree. Uh, yeah. And I think she talks a little bit in this article in particular about how, like, none of what she's writing is original research, but, like, I would say that it's original in thought and original in, like, how how to make the idea of sex, but also sex and pleasure and connecting it to the biology of it, to the, um, like, how does it impact your brain and your body um, in ways that it just makes sense, right? Like it makes sense how she talks about accessing pleasure or some t- or like why sometimes it's difficult to access physical pleasure yep. from the sex. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I think, yeah, the way she talks about it is certainly original, even if she is building on work that exists. Um and I think that's mm-hmm. so important, right? The people who do the research aren't always the best storytellers. Sometimes they are, but not always. And mm-hmm. so I love when somebody like Emily comes along and takes a collection of data and makes it make sense in a different kind of way. And I I do feel like that's what she did. Okay. Um. Anyway, let's like give the name of the article that we're, we're talking about. That I just pulled important. it up. Um, she wrote a bestseller on women's sex lives that her own fell apart. I believe that is the headline, which is pretty eye-catching. I saw that popped up in my Instagram feed. I was like, wait, I had to tell me what, what? Help oh, man. me more. 
I found it really relatable to read about a person who people consider an expert. And she actually said she uses the word expert with like very heavy quotation marks, like air quotes, which I also appreciate. But like regardless, like people talk about her and people call her an expert. And yet she struggles with this exact thing that she is the expert at. And Mm -hmm. I don't know about you. I was like, man, I feel seen. I feel known that like, just like we talk about pleasure, sometimes I feel like it feels far away from me or, you know, whatever, like the things that we all kind of contribute to doesn't mean we're always living into them fully. It doesn't. And so she wrote this book, Come As You Are. Maybe I don't actually remember the date. I want to say approximately 10 years ago, give or take, whatever. Um, and she just, she's coming out with a new book called Coming, Come Together, The Science and Art of Creating Lasting Sexual Connections. And like what this, if we think about is, you know, when you're like in a new relationship and you just can't get enough of each other, you know, you're in the, you're in the honeymoon phase, but also like the honeymoon phase before the honeymoon, like before, (laughs) before, before that. Um, and then life happens. Right. Whether it's uh, illness or time or energy or whatever happens in your life that makes it hard to connect with the person that you want to connect with most. And like, what is it? What's the impact that that might have on your relationship? What's the impact that might have on your own like self-esteem or who we are, who I who I am after I have identified as a we but there's also still an I in that Um, but she talks in this article which will be talked about more in her nearly 300 page new book with two appendices and 22 pages of notes and scientific references I'm reading um all about that and like digging in and sharing the most like I feel like vulnerable and pieces of your life she is married to a man and they're still married and talk about like how it's important for them to be able to find ways to connect together with each other by being connected I feel like it's on purpose right like I think Mm -hmm. that there is such a huge difference between sex and pleasure and then sex in and pleasure in long-term relationship, right? That there is just not, um, it's not the same for all the reasons you listed, but then more also. More also. There's always more. And we don't always know what that more is. I've definitely had that in relationships, those times where, you know, I don't know, I had babies, I had a baby, an infant and a toddler and work and hormones and all of the things in my body that didn't make me want, I didn't want to have sex with you or anyone else. And that happens. And and I think just the biology between like you talked about the honeymoon, but there's something about it's almost like trying a drug out, I would guess, like for the first mm-hmm. time or 
right? There's a rush. There's like, there's some biology also that happens when you, the chemistry of a new person or a, like a new interest, but even just like mm -hmm. a stranger new person, right? Like there's something very different. And I think um, like, um, yeah, there's something very different between those moments and a new relationship when you're like endorphins are flowing and everything's happening to when it's like, oh, it's you again. And I don't, I, I'm not saying that like, that's how I feel, but yeah. I think it's like a part of what happens in the biology that happens too. Right. And it's not only when you have a baby, it's in a lot of different moments, right? Like yeah. they describe just the stress of working, you know, the society we live in does not center pleasure. It's why this podcast exists. And we talk about sex as if it's supposed to be something that spontaneously happens all the time, because in spite of all the responsibilities and work and tiredness and washing dishes and making meals and driving kids places all of a sudden we're just like boom hey here I am and like mm -hmm. and I think that, one demand might I add when the other person feels like it like well but we get we sort of get this idea that we're both just gonna like that that's part of being in a yeah. relationship it's like it's just gonna happen all the time and it's always gonna be hot and you're gonna like come together and I mean, like literally you're both going to like climax yeah. at the same time. I mean, these ideas yeah. are so absurd, but yet we're not receiving the narrative of what's real. And, you know, then it becomes like people talk about like scheduling sex and it's like, oh, but that's not romantic. That's not sexy. Why the fuck isn't it? I mean, that's a decision that we can just like flip the script on some of that stuff. But I don't know. I appreciate that that there's an article about from the person who's like talking about this, that even for her, it's not always easy and it has to be a decision. And I think mm -hmm. so often when we what we're talking about on the podcast is like. That it's like you have to decide that you want pleasure in your life and then you have to figure out how to make it happen. Now, you might decide like some of our topics are like you know, you might not decide you want to get tied up or go slip and sliding, right? Right. And if you want to, you have to also make time. Threesomes don't just happen. I mean, maybe for some people, but like busy ass oh, people, you don't right. just end up at an orgy or a sex party, right? Like you just don't. Like how hard is it sometimes to fit in my like, oh God, I have to hurry up and make my coffee for the morning. I don't want time to do that. Then I got to coordinate the second person's schedule. Then I got to coordinate three of our schedule, at least. And I mean, <laughs> I don't. But three I schedule is a lot. And then if you need babysitters and I mean. I don't know. It's a lot. And I, I don't, don't think know. we talk about the fact that like all of this stuff has to be a bit more intentional enough. And not that it's a secret, but it's also not the mainstream narrative. And I, I think. Um, what I took away, so there, I'm going to read a little quote here from this article, but essentially they said that while it's a long book, in the very beginning, she um, highlights that she thinks there are three secrets of partners with happy sex lives. One, they're friends. Two, they prioritize sex. And three, they ignore outside opinions about what sex should look like and and do what works for them. And I was like, that, right? And of course, yeah. like, there's nothing when I read it that's like, mind-blowing and yet it's something so like poignant in how obvious it is and how kind of simple like like each mm -hmm. other make it a priority 
and let it be whatever it is for the two of you, not what it is for everybody else or what people, what you think it's supposed mm-hmm. to be. Okay. It, yes, it feels so obvious and, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. but we also have the media in our face about what, what romance and sexual relationships are supposed to look like. I won't even add porn in there. Oh, well, let's not even talk about that. But like the things that are in our faces on a daily basis, whether it's we're watching a 25 minute comedy show, we're reading a book or what have you. And then you start the comparison game. And exactly. you start, the, you know, and it kind of it snowballs from there in ways that just are not healthy or help, helpful for yourself or your, the relationship that you're in. Huh. Ignore outside noise. What's the exact words? I'll read it again. I have it highlighted right here. It, um, ignore outside opinions about what mm-hmm. sex should look like and do what works for them. Yeah. I love that. Me too, because I think that that can mean so many different things, right? I think for some people that could mean, like, I think we, um, and it's actually a thing like I sometimes worry about with with our like topics here is like shaming the like vanilla because there's mm-hmm. no shame there, right? Just as much as I think sometimes there's like this judgment about people who have an open marriage or open relationships or whatever. And it's like what works for you and what works for you might not be the same, but like who gives a fuck if if it's not the same, if this works for you and this works for you, like love your life, be in it. Yeah. Um, but we shame all of it, right? Like we've talked about before, you're like shame for being a prude and you're shame for being a slut. Like you just can't win. So mm-hmm. lean into what feels good for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's important to know what is good for you. Some of us just don't know what is the fuck, what it is that we want. And what it changes. I, it It does change. It changes and evolves. You got to talk about it because <laughs> if it's changing for you and it's not changing for your partner or they don't know it's changed. One of the things that they talk about in the article is like just how much they like talk about sex. You know, when when the when they asked Emily, like what what changed, you know, what's helped you guys? She was like, we talk about sex more than we talk about what we're having for dinner, which made me laugh because like <laughs> what what gets talked about more than what we're going to have for dinner. But that was really put into a lot of perspective that to me, that's like at least every single day, perhaps multiple times a day, you're talking about sex. And mm-hmm. as much as I'm like, oh, cool. I'm like, that is that is on purpose, right? That is intentional because God knows there's plenty of days that could go by where that's not a conversation that I'm thinking about, you know, necessarily. Yeah. And I think, again, I don't know. I was not taught. We, I've talked about this before. I like to talk about sex. So the idea of talking about it that much is like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense that to have your sex life mm-hmm. bounce back. It's going to require a lot of conversation. And also, like so many of us have just not been conditioned to be so embarrassed or feel shame, like we're not even talking about it. But I also, I don't think the key is talking about the problems are so serious. It's also like laughing about and being silly Mm -hmm. together and joking about it. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Like the idea of talking, I'm, I'm just 
thinking about like what would it have looked like to talk about sex daily with my ex and like would I have enjoyed that would I have resented would I have felt I don't know like part of me wants to say I would have felt a little bit of shaming that like because I think talking about it for me would have equaled now we got to do it in a time when I didn't want to do it and that's not true I'm just like reflecting on where my mind would have gone and like why I would have or did avoid some things and some conversations because I knew I'm not there. I'm not there right now. And to then have to then talk about it, then I have to face the fact that I'm not there, why I'm not there and and that kind of thing. And and the more you talk about a thing, the more like you're 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 not you're um exercising that muscle to the point where at some point you're just kind of flexing it without even thinking about it. For sure. And I think it is so tricky, though, because none of us wants to hurt anybody's feelings, especially not somebody we love and care about. Right. We don't Mm -hmm. want to hurt our partner's feelings. Mm -hmm. And I think I have to remind myself often that feelings are just as likely to get hurt when you don't talk about things as when you do. Mm -hmm. Right. Especially when it relates to sex. And Mm -hmm. of course, we want to be thoughtful and compassionate and gentle because we don't want to hurt people's feelings. But it doesn't mean we can't also, you know, try to find ways to have the conversations. But it is really hard. And, And I think what I took away from the like talking about it every day is like when you already have the muscle because but when there's not a problem. And I Mm -hmm. use like problem loosely because only you get to decide what is and isn't a problem. But if you're already practiced at talking regularly about certain things, then when it's like, ah, it's been a minute. Mm -hmm. It's not like it's in the moment where it's like, why haven't we been having sex that now we have to figure out how to talk about sex? And so I like that's helping me to think about it that way. It's like it's almost like preventative care, not just like responsive. Right. And I think that goes to her point number one is being friends. Yeah. And so being able to have that base foundational relationship with another person. So friendship implies trust, care, you know, like mm-hmm. that, like outside of sex, like there's a relationship here. Yeah. I am excited to read this book. Me too. Let me be more honest. I'm excited to hear her talk about this book on podcasts because I haven't like read a book cover to cover in I don't even know how long. Um, But I'm excited to hear more about this from her Mm -hmm. and from other people talking about it. And I think it's just such an important conversation. And even for us, Dana, like when we're talking about, um, especially when we're talking about like spicy, like sex topics. Mm-hmm. That there's a real big difference between like new sex and long-term relationship sex. And neither is good or bad. Like I I would never try to mm-hmm. compare them because I think they each offer something really different. Like the excitement of new sex and the like 
all the hormones and things is lovely, but the like mm-hmm. safety and security of a long-term partner, like somebody, you don't have to tell every little thing because you already done done that before, right? Like, yeah, both are wonderful and they're different. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited. I'm excited to, I'm going to say hear the book because I think I can do, I could do an audio. Mm-hmm. I could do like an audio. Um, and yeah, and I love this because, I mean, she's in our age bracket. Like there, like there's just so, so much that feels relatable. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like there's it's someone over yonder. And let's be clear. Um, she loves the next town over from me and my little yeah. Yeah. On my little enclave of Western Massachusetts and worked she at is. worked at the college that I currently worked at. I think we were she was on her way out when I when I started. Um and like clearly brilliant and has a way with words. Period. In my world, you two are basically best friends because your circles are overlapping. Boom. You hear that? Yeah. Emily, come, <laughs> come hang out with us and be on our podcast. You hear that? Be friends yeah. with Dana. Be my friend. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I love I love everything about it. That's, that's what I got. Like, I, I read most of Come As You Are. By read, I meant I listened. Um, I listened to it and I thought it was great. And I think there's also a flip. I think it was pleasure. Right oh I, yeah, she's she was in that, on. right? Yeah, she was in that as well. Is that the name of it? Something. It, it that's not the exact name, but it's something about pleasure. The principles of pleasure. There we go. The principles mm-hmm. of pleasure on Netflix. Doc- yeah, it's a documentary. So if folks haven't seen that, that is also a good introduction to Emily and Emily's work. And we, of course, will link to that, the Netflix special, the article in the New York Times and Emily's books and all her her stuff here. But um, really, this article just felt like, wait, how boom. Um, And I think like, I don't know, I could relate. I think you could relate. Like, I think, you know, let's let's be very clear that if you're listening, never put us on a pedestal that we don't ever go through challenges or avoid hard conversations or have dry spells or whatever. And it's part of life. And right now it's winter. I mean, like winter's for hibernating, which doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. feel sexy always. Um, and like, that's all par for the course, both as individuals and in partnerships. Um, but please never think for a moment that Kate and Victoria don't ever forget to prioritize pleasure or miss a day mm-hmm. of having sexy time. Plenty. <laughs> plenty of days are missed, and plenty of days are had. Sometimes, sometimes, mm-hmm. um, sometimes twice. I mean, boom. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, so I don't know. Thank you, friends, for listening to another episode of Reconnecting with Pleasure. It is always a pleasure. It is, and let us know what you think. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Bye.
That's all for today. Thanks so much for spending your time with us. Don't forget to smile at yourself in the mirror, have an orgasm, and laugh until your belly hurts.